Amen. I hope you do trust in the Lord, and the Bible does tell us He will never fail. The Bible also tells us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. So we have so much to be grateful for and uh, just so happy. Thank you so much for that song. Uh, very much appreciated. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into our passage this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day. Again, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We have so, so, so many things to be grateful for. Thank you that you never fail, that we can trust you no matter what. And I just pray that today you will help us, uh, help us to be different than when we came. And Father, I pray that you would give us uh, strength today and uh, I pray that you comfort us today and that your will would be accomplished in our lives. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Let me ask you a somewhat of a difficult question this morning. Okay, you ready for it? What value do you have in the kingdom of God? Think about that just for a second. What value do you have in the kingdom of God? What value do you hold for the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the God of gods? How valuable are you? If I'm transparent with you this morning... Many times I feel worthless for the cause of Christ. Many times I feel that I am more of a hindrance to the cause of Christ than I am a help. I mean, if you look at me, what could I possibly have to offer the God of the universe? What in myself can I bring to him that would be worthy of his cause. How can I offer him anything? There are so many better out there. There are so many more capable people. There are so many better specimens, if you will, to choose from. Why did he choose me? Why here? Why now? Again, if I'm being completely transparent with you this morning, I actually really struggle with this. I really struggle with this. Why am I the pastor of Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario? There's so many more capable than me. There's so many that would do better at it than I would. I really struggle with, the val- with my value in the kingdom and the purpose of God. But these people that we're going to talk about this morning have been a real encouragement to me this week. And I hope they will be to you as well. Their names are Aquila and Priscilla. Maybe you've heard of them. Aquila and Priscilla, from my study, I could only find they were mentioned six times in the Bible. Six times in the Bible. Half of those times, and if you're really good at math, that's three. Okay? Three times are they mentioned that Paul is just telling someone to greet Aquila and Priscilla. Hey, I just want you to say hey to them for me. Okay, so that's three times. So the other three times, they, are, uh, they give us a little bit of detail about him. But it's obvious that these people have had some sort of impact on Paul and his team. So if you will, let's take a look at the story of Aquila and Priscilla and see what kind of help their story can bring to us today. 
I want to read their entire story before we make any application, so let's go ahead and do that. Acts chapter 18 and verse 1. The Bible says this, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. You'll remember last week we talked about Paul in Athens. Mars Hill, they had a, had a uh, God that was the unknown God, and that was whom Paul was declaring. And so now he departs from Athens and comes to Corinth, verse 2, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, uh, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for they were for by their occupation they were tent makers. Again, so last week we see Paul in Athens. He leaves Athens, comes to Corinth, and in Corinth he finds these two people, Aquila and Priscilla. Now jump all the way down to verse 18. I challenge you, if you don't believe me, that there nothing else is said about them between verse 4 and verse 18. Go ahead and read it. Very, very little or nothing said about them. Verse 18. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. Okay, so he leaves Corinth, and he begins to sail into Syria, and he takes Priscilla and Aquila, and this is my favorite, and hath shorn his head in Centria, for he had a vow. So Paul shaves his head, okay? So if you see me next week and I have a shaved head, this is why, okay? Part of me wants to have a shaved head just because I'm sick of hair. So anyway, long story short, they leave, okay, and verse 19, and he comes to Ephesus. He came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews, okay? So he takes Aquila and Priscilla with him, and they come to Ephesus, and he leaves them there. Then we find out that Paul goes and takes off and literally not just goes into the synagogue, but goes to another city without them. Okay? Look at verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, whom when he was come helped them much, excuse me, helped them much which had believed through grace, for he had mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. That is the story of Aquila and Priscilla. Pretty, pretty big story, isn't it? Whole lot of information in here to really sink our teeth into. There's really not much here. There's not much written about Aquila and Priscilla. In fact, if I'm being honest, it seems hardly worth mentioning, let alone taking an entire sermon to preach on them. What value did they bring to the kingdom of God? How were they helpful to the king of kings? Well, let's dig in and find out. First of all, I want you to see who these people were. I want you to see who these people were. Look at verse 2 again. The Bible says, and found a certain Jew. Okay, so let's stop right there. They were Jewish. Okay? God's chosen people. 
God chose the Jewish people. And here, Aquila and Priscilla are Jewish people. Now, I want you to understand, most of the Jews at this point in the, in the Jewish realm, most of them were rejectors of Jesus Christ. There were some. And Aquila and Priscilla are a part of that smaller crowd. Because most of them wanted to hold on to the law. Most of them wanted to stay with what the law told them. But Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And so they were Jewish. That's interesting. But also notice with me in verse 2. He was born in Pontus. Notice, lately come from Italy. Lately come from Italy. Why would he do that? Because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. Now just stop there for a second. This is historically accurate in case you didn't understand that, the Bible is historically accurate, but you can look it up. Claudius sends all the Jews out of Rome. They say, you guys get out of here, you're causing too much disturbance with, with all your, your things that are going on, we don't want you in here anymore, and so they're dispersed from Rome. So I want you to think about this. Think about these two people. Obviously, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Jews are scattered from Rome. But let's hone in on these two people, Aquila and Priscilla. They are now displaced from their home. We don't know how long they lived in Rome. We know very little about them. But they are displaced from their home in Rome. They had to move. They had to leave everything they knew in Rome, get up, and walk out. Now let me ask you a question. We may have a very small inkling of this. But most of us are not being pushed out of our homes in any way, shape, or form. But how depressing would this, would have, would this have been? Their entire lives uprooted because some king decided that he was done with the unrest that the Jews brought. And we kick them all out. Can you imagine? We can't imagine this. But yet I want you to understand this was the way that they feel. Sometimes our lives can feel like we are spinning out of control. Like we have no control over anything. Like someone else is making all the decisions for us. Like we have no control over any of our circumstances. Like, like nothing in our lives is a guarantee anymore. There was a time when, oh, everything's just going along just perfectly, and I know that I get up tomorrow, I go to work, and I, I do this, and I do that, and I, I just every day is almost a guarantee. Listen, there comes a point in your life where every day is not a guarantee. And maybe you're there right now, you just don't know. Every moment, every day just has a big question mark on it now. I'll be honest with you, it's hard to feel valuable in those moments. When you don't know where you're going to lay your head at night, it's hard to feel valuable to your family. As a man, if I was displaced out of my home and I didn't know where my kids were going to sleep, I would feel very unvaluable as a man, as a father, as a husband. So I want you to put yourself in this situation. It's hard to feel like you could contribute to the cause of Jesus Christ when everything that you have has been displaced. Sometimes we feel like we're struggling to figure out what's up from down and how could God use me in a moment like this? If you're in the habit of writing things down, I'd encourage you to write this down. When everything is spinning, keep your eyes on the sun. When everything is spinning, 
Keep your eyes on the sun, the S-O-N. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah 26 and verse 3. The Bible says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Why? Whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. Our song, that the special just saying, listen, he will never fail. We can trust in him. He's answered my prayer. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, focused, all energy pointing to him. Why? Why should I keep my eyes on the sun? Why should I keep my eyes on the sun? Hear me, because we learned in our small groups through the book of Ruth, Jesus is not doing something necessarily to you, but he is doing something through you. Don't miss this. Jesus is not necessarily doing something to you, but he wants to do something through you. So put yourself in their situation. Listen, I'm being displaced from my home. I got kicked out of Rome for really no reason of my own, but I'm now displaced. I have to go somewhere else. God, why are you doing this to me? No, think about it this way. God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through me in this situation? Look again at verses 2 and 3. Paul leaves Athens and just so happens to come to Corinth. And there is where Aquila and Priscilla are. Don't you find it interesting that Paul has not yet made it to Rome? But he made it to Corinth. And in Corinth, he meets these two people. Listen, God had a divine appointment for them, verse 3. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, and he worked. For by their occupation, they were tent makers. Listen, God had an appointment for Aquila and Priscilla. And if they were in Rome, they would have missed the appointment. He wanted them to meet the apostle Paul. Not only were they recently displaced, the Bible tells us here that they were tent makers. Okay, from all the research I could find, Tent makers were not exactly the glorious trade of the day. Oh, they were needed, no doubt, because there were several people that lived in tents. However, it wasn't exactly the most spectacular opportunity for people to grow up the corporate ladder. And so Aquila and Priscilla said, it said it was a trade lightly esteemed and poorly paid. A trade lightly esteemed and poorly paid. So not exactly the most glorious of trades, but... This trade, don't miss this, this trade put them in direct contact with Paul. It put them in direct contact with Saul. It just so happened. What a coincidence. I know some people that believe that's a curse word, a coincidence. No, it wasn't a coincidence. God had put them in this place on purpose. It just so happened that Paul himself was a tent maker. And God wanted Paul to meet Aquila and Priscilla. Please listen to me. Please listen to this. God has you where you are for a specific reason. Please don't miss that. God has you where you are for a specific reason. You might think, oh, I live in lowly old St. Thomas. Or I live in lowly old Elmer or wherever you live. What could I possibly do here? Corinth was one of the wickedest cities in that 
time in that era in that region. In fact, read the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. There is not a wonderful thing said about the church at Corinth. So the, the city had infiltrated the church. It was a wicked, wicked city. I'm in a wicked city. What could I possibly do here? Listen, he has you here for a reason. As we talk about Esther, this for a time such as this, I don't know what that might be, but he has you here for a reason. He has you at your job for a reason. You might say, well, I'm just a secretary, or I'm just a janitor, I'm just a mechanic, I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. Listen, God has you there for a reason. He has an appointment He wants you to keep. He has an appointment He wants you to keep. He has someone He wants you to meet. I don't know who that is. I wish I could tell you who it was. Wouldn't that be much easier in life if we could just tell you who it was? But he has someone or something for you to do. So let's get back to the story. Paul meets Aquila and Priscilla, stays with them, works with them for a bit. No, no doubt during that time, Paul is teaching them. Paul is talking to them. Paul is spending time with them while they're working, while they're making tents. He's teaching them. He goes to the synagogues. He's teaching in the synagogues. He comes home. Hey, how was it? He tells them how it was, and he begins to expound to them. We'll see in a little bit that it looks like Aquila and Priscilla are excellent and eager learners. After Paul stays with them for a while, he's led to the city of Ephesus. And again, as we mentioned, Aquila and Priscilla go with him. Let's read verse 18 and 19 again. Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centria, and for he, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Okay, folk, I want you to see this again, that he left them there. If you keep reading, you see that Paul sailed from Ephesus and did not take them. Now again, we don't get many details. You know what I want to know? What was the conversation like? Hey guys, thanks for coming all this way with me. Now you stay here, I'm leaving. I'm bailing on you. I don't, I don't, we don't get the details of the conversation, but this is important. What did Paul tell them? What did he say? It doesn't say, but here's the deal. I don't know what Paul told them, but this is once again how I would feel. Let me give it to you. Why are we here in Ephesus? Why did we come all this way with Paul just for him to leave us here? It's great that we moved to Corinth. I can see how God worked that out. We got to meet the Apostle Paul, and he stayed in our house with us. We got to learn from him, but why are we here in Ephesus? We don't have anybody that we know. What are we doing here? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to keep making tents? What are, we should have just stayed in Corinth. I'm definitely not saying this is what they felt. I'm just saying this is how I would feel. God, why would you move us here now? Why did we even meet Paul in the first place? Like, we were happy there. And now we've been displaced, we've moved again. And Ephesus, we know a great deal about Ephesus. Ephesus was as well a pagan culture. They worshipped the goddess Diana. And so, why? We don't know anyone in this city. Why would you do this? I don't know what to do. It's pretty easy for human beings to get into this mindset, isn't it? 
It's pretty easy for all of us to think, why am I here? I can see how, God, you've worked up until this point, but I can't see what you're doing now. But in case you haven't realized it yet, God works in our lives. Not like we think he should. God works in our lives very differently than we think he will. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if every day you woke up and you knew exactly what God wanted you to do that day? Wouldn't it be nice if every day you woke up, you knew the person that you were supposed to talk to? Wouldn't it be nice that every day you woke up, you knew the plan of God for that day, you would get the printout or the, the, uh, you look at your calendar and God would fill it all in for the day and say, these are the appointments that you have to keep. Wouldn't it be great? God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. We only get a snapshot here of specific days in the life of Aquila and Priscilla. Maybe three days of their entire lives. So hear me. You may not know what your every day is going to look like. You may not know how God is going to work fully and completely through you on a a specific day. But as a wise man has once said, write this down, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Do you see who said that? Mike Holland said that. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Listen, there are times in our lives where I just don't get it. God, what am I supposed to do? Why have you put me in this situation? I don't want to be here. When you don't know what to do, just do what you know to do. Listen, the Bible is full of things that that God tells us what to do. Hey, the kid's saying, be kind. You know that's something you're supposed to do? Even when you don't know what to do, just be kind. You know that we're supposed to tell other people about Jesus? Hey, I don't know why I'm in this city. I don't know why I'm here. But listen, I'm just going to do what I know to do. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. You see, the list could go on and on and on. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Just do right every day. Just keep your eyes on Jesus every day, and you will be a useful and valuable part of the kingdom. You say, how? Let's look at the story. Up until this point, Aquila and Priscilla are not, again, the most valuable people on the planet, right? Okay, they've been moved around. They meet Paul, but like, they're not really all that valuable. They offered Paul a place to stay. That's great. But that's not the point. It's not the point as to what we feel or what it looks like. Listen, whether or not they're the most valuable people or not, they had a purpose. They had a purpose. God has a plan for them, and God has a plan for you. Let's look at verse 23. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order and strengthened all the disciples. So Paul very clearly does not take them with him. Verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to where? Isn't that interesting? This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, so that's a good thing. And being fervent in the spirit, again a good thing, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. A good thing. But notice, knowing only the baptism of John. 
So he only knew a part of the revelation that God had given. Now, was this a bad thing? No. Was it a good thing that he was out preaching that the repentance of John, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Is that a bad thing? No. That's not a bad thing. But I want you to understand. Let's keep reading. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, which is great. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, what, what happened? Watch this. They took him unto them, and they did what? And they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Listen, don't miss this, please. They moved from Athens. I'm going to cry because I'm very emotional about this. They moved from Athens to Corinth to stinking Ephesus to meet one man. Oh, listen, they met Paul on the way, but that was just a part of their training. That was just a part of their training. Listen, we go down, Apollos is, is mentioned in, in Corinth, in Corinthians. Hey, some people are claiming that they're baptized of Paul and some of Apollos and some of Cephas. So Apollos becomes almost the same as Paul and Peter. They had a massive, massive influence on this man named Apollos. So Aquila and Priscilla bring this man into their home and begin to expound unto him the way of God more perfectly. Not only had they been taught by Paul and left by Paul, but now they're in the exact spot that they needed to be in order to help out an up-and-coming preacher called Apollos. And it's because of Aquila and Priscilla that Apollos is now going around the countryside just like Paul, preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for your life. It may not seem as big as Paul or Apollos or Peter. You know, the big three, right? It may not seem as big as someone else's job. But listen, he's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for you without you. Listen, without you, there might not be an Apollos. Without you, there might not be a Peter. Without you, there might not be a Paul. Think about Barnabas. We've talked about this before. Without Barnabas, there would be no Paul. We have a family friend. He's been a part of, of our family, been a friend of our family since I can remember, probably before I was born. His name's Roy Anderson. Every week at church, Roy Anderson had a pocket full of quarters. Just everyday old quarters. And every week at church, he would pass those quarters out to all the kids. Just a quarter. And we would, after a while, obviously, right, kids get smart. So we'd run up to him, Mr. Roy, can I have a quarter? Mr. Roy, can I have a quarter? Did you get one today, he'd say? No, 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 we haven't got one. And then Sunday evening, church would come around. Mr. Roy, can I have a quarter? No, no, I already gave you one today. Mr. Roy was the quarter man. He was the quarter man. 
So that's been my entire life. Recently, we're in Michigan. We attended my my parents' church. And Roy Anderson walks in. He comes up to me and he says, shakes my hand, and he says, I got something for you. He reaches into his pocket and it jingles. He reaches and hands me a quarter. Hands my wife a quarter. Hands my kids a quarter. Says, I love you. Said, I love you too. We laughed. We talked. Had a good time. Service begins and we go in. We go sit down. Pastor preaches. I'll be honest. I don't remember a thing the man said. After the service, Roy comes up to me. He gives me a big hug. He says, so good to see you. It's been a while since I'd seen him. I says, good to see you too. He says, would you mind if I prayed with you? I said, I'd appreciate it. Put his hand on my shoulder and he began to pray for me. In that moment, I feel so stupid that it took this long. In that moment, I realized this man has been praying for me my entire life. It's with people like Roy Anderson that I stand here today. It's people like you, just regular people who give us opportunities that we could never have ever had. Listen, this was not just a friend of my family's. This was not just the quarter man. This was a man who had given his life to praying for young people, to just giving them a quarter, one by one. He has had a huge impact on my life. I didn't even take the time or have the concern to even realize it. Listen to me, Roy Anderson rarely, if ever, has stood behind a pulpit and declared the word of God. I know he's sung, he's sung some specials. He's never declared the word of God to thousands upon thousands of people, but he just let God use him where he was. Something so small as a quarter and a prayer. We tried to figure it out how many thousands of dollars he's just given away, a quarter at a time. Listen, you can have massive, massive impacts a quarter at a time, a prayer at a time. And listen, you might not think you're worth anything, you might not think you're valuable, but listen, I just have a quarter. I just can pray Aquila and Priscilla, Roy Anderson, they just bloomed where they were planted. They invited people into their homes and they just served them with the Lord. Yes, they served them. Listen, Aquila, excuse me, Apollos, let me show you what the Lord says. They just kept giving people the Lord. They just kept giving people the Lord. They just kept giving people Jesus. One of the other places that they're mentioned is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19. The Bible says this, the churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord. Watch this. With the church that is in their house. Again, one simple, tiny verse. But get this, they had a church in their house. 
They had a church in their house. They were fulfilling their purpose. They were made for more than just tent making. Tent making was just a way to introduce them to people. You see that? Listen, some of you work, some of you are retired, but listen, you're not working or retired. Listen, those are just things that get you to meet people. Those are just ways for you to be a part of the kingdom of God. You have a plan. You have a purpose. Were they perfect? No. But they were willing. Let me ask you a question. Are you perfect? Oh man, I am so unperfect. It's disgusting. I hate it. But I'm willing. Are you willing? Were they gifted? We don't know. We don't know if they were the best teachers on the planet Earth. We, don't, we have no idea. But you know what they did? They just gave. They just gave what they had. Were they powerful? Big, boisterous speakers that could handle the word of God and just give it to thousands of... No. They weren't powerful, but they just kept leaning on Jesus. They just kept leaning on Jesus. Please listen to me today. This is advice and a sermon that I need to hear as well. But if you are feeling down today, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're wondering why you are in the circumstances you are in, listen, God has you there for a very specific purpose. I really do wish I could tell you what it was. I wish some of you could tell me what mine is some days. I have no idea what it is that you have, what God has for you, but this I know. He is, is, is working in your life. Don't give up. The Bible tells us that God knows and sees a sparrow when it falls. And then he says this, you are of more value than many sparrows. And the sparrows, God's watching over them. And we are of more value than them. You are valuable today. You are a valuable asset in the hands of the King of Kings. You are a valuable asset in the hands of the Lord of Lords. You are a valuable asset in the God of Gods if you will just let Him use you. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this day. Thank you so much for the story of Aquila and Priscilla. Seemingly insignificant couple passages of Scripture, but Father, they're there for a reason. And Apollos went on to do great and mighty things for you because of the influence of Aquila and Priscilla. Father, I want to thank you for Roy Anderson. Father, there are so many so many of those in my life. I want to thank you so much for them. Thank you that they weren't flashy or extravagant. Thank you that they were just simple, ordinary, everyday, loving people. Father, you have a place for them here and now, and I'm so grateful. Father, if there's a person in here that's struggling with their value today, 
would you just encourage them today? Show them how valuable they are. Father, may we as people just reach out and say, hey, thank you for being valuable. Thank you for being you. This is what you've done for me. I want to thank you. Listen, Father, that is a, a, such an encouragement. May we as people do this for other people. Father, whatever you do here today, we'll give you the praise and glory for it. Father, we pray all these things in your name.